Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you sign up for a free contest entry today. This is the second edition of the Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I am Jake Letarski, joined today by John Littering. If you're out there on Twitter, give me a follow at jakeski52. Give John a follow at J-O-N Littering. And uh, yeah, so John, how's it going today? Since we last, uh, since I last talked to you here, we've got a new heavyweight champion in Stipe Miocic, and he's got another card booked. So we kind of called that one right. Yeah, we do. We did get that one right. I mean, I, I don't think either of us thought it would end like that. Um, you know, off the bat, off his you know one foot, yeah, one well, punch knockout. Away, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's he's really good. He's you know he was he's always been underrated, and he can't be underrated anymore. He's the champ, and. Uh, the fight against Overeem is it everybody knew Overeem was going to be next mm-hmm. and it's a good fight and I like the idea that they are running it in Cleveland where Miocic is from 
Um, no one is going to mistake. The heavyweight division doesn't have the depth that the other divisions in the UFC do. But the heavyweight championship is, you know, that's still the biggest prize. And I like the fact that they're getting Miocic a fight in his hometown because I think we'll draw publicity towards it. Yeah, I would agree with you there, especially if the Cavs are champions by then. I personally don't think that's going to happen, but how great would that be for Cleveland? It's been rough for a long time for Cleveland. Indeed, and early, early odds on that. we got Stipe Miocic minus 155 to 160. Again, probably way too early to be looking at that. That's all the way in September here. But let's get to this weekend's card, John. We've got two title fights on the card here starting off with a matchup between luke rockhold and michael bisping now that was originally supposed to be rockhold versus chris weidman in a rematch but uh chris weidman has a neck injury kind of exploring surgery options right now hopefully maybe he'll be back for uh the the when uh, mma kind of makes its debut debut in the madison square garden here but for now we've got michael bisping um here up against rockhold now rockhold's a heavy favorite uh, kind of opened around minus 800. That's moved back a little bit now. How do you kind of see this fight playing out? Well, we, we were talking about this before we went on the air here. If you haven't heard, at the press conference earlier today, why, uh, excuse me, Rockhold actually admitted, or I don't know if admitted's the word or claimed is the word, mm-hmm. but he stated that he has a torn MCL. And that... I mean, we have really have no reason to doubt him, but I mean, a torn MCL is not a small injury. It, it's you know, it's not like a it's not like a sprained thumb or something like that. A torn MCL is is serious business, and I think it's I think it's going to clearly affect the odds. Like you said, he's up there around you know in the minus eight hundred area now. When this is all said and done, I expect him to be more in the minus 500 range mm-hmm. yeah like we were talking about uh, yeah. i'm seeing anywhere from a minus 650 to minus 750 range at the moment so it's already pulled back a little bit and we'll kind of see where the money moves the rest of the time one thing that won't be moving because the contests are already starting to fill up are the DraftKings prices where we've got luke rockhold at eleven thousand four hundred and michael bisbing at eight thousand huge discrepancy here even with the injury if it's true if it's not a head game do you still see Rockhold returning value at that price? I, it, this is tough. This is uh, when we had our, our last podcast. This is what we talked about with the Cyborg Leslie Smith fight. It is really, really, really hard to put people in got, fighters in your lineup who have a salary that high. I want to say that is the highest DraftKings salary there is. I believe eight thousand is the lowest a fighter can have. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen it any lower than that. Yeah, really. I believe I believe eight thousand is the lowest that a fighter can have. And these two fought in November 2014, so it's not about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and it wasn't close. Uh, Rockhold ended up winning via submission early in the second round. He battered Bisping in the first round. Bisping was lucky to survive, and this I'm. We both agree. We're both going to agree on this. This is nowhere near as competitive a fight as the Weidman fight would have been. Now, as I said in uh, my preview article, with the way the division is set up right now and with Jacare Souza unavailable to fight because of the knee issue he sustained in his last fight against Vitor Belfort, I actually don't have a problem with the UFC making this fight 
Bisping's been a good soldier for the company for a long time, and he deserves this opportunity. I just, I, I, even with the injury, and I, like I said, I, we have no reason to doubt Rockhold, but if it was truly that bad of an injury, he could have easily said, well, okay, Weidman dropped out. You know, we could just scrap this thing all together. Yeah, I mean, that was an option, of course, after uh, what his opponent did there. But, yeah, you have to think with a guy like Rockhold, who always turns that spinning back kick and kicks are a huge part of his game, that if the MCL was a, a huge issue, he, he probably would have dropped out. Now, I've seen stuff floating around Twitter that he hasn't really grappled all camp, and he just kind of started kicking last yeah, week. I think he That's pretty it, speculative. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he kicked it in is. the open workouts, right? Yeah, it, it is. And Rockhold has to be... And we got to remember, Bisping is taking this fight on short notice. Mm-hmm. Rockhold has to be, um, and we've seen this all the time, among the last guys in the world you would ever want to face on short notice. He just has so many ways to win. Mm-hmm. And the biggest advantage he had in the Weidman fight appeared to be, he appeared to have, in, especially with his kicks, like you said, twice as much power as Weidman did. It would, that was the starkest difference for me. And... That you know, and that doesn't even take into account the fact that Rockhold is you know world renowned for his submission skills. So, and the problem with for Bisping is going to be Bisping's style, and it's always he's always had the same style. Um, he pushes forward. He's aggressive on the feet. You know, he tries to you know make it you know make it a you know it's a he makes it a tough gritty fight, and that is not tile to employ to beat Rockhold. Um, that being said, I don't think there's a style Bisping can employ that would beat Rockhold. The the thing Bisping has going for him, and he is that he, even at his advanced age, is he's always in shape. He always has been. Mm-hmm. So he's good. Even though it's a short notice, twenty five minute fight. He's going to come ready to fight for 25 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that was really evident in the most recent fight against Anderson Silva, where he really did take a beating. He was bloodied up pretty bad by the end of that, but he still managed to to, to kind of finish up and, and, and get the decision victory in that. So he can he can absolutely hold up for five rounds, no matter how bad of a beating he can take. And uh, I guess we got to rely on Rockhold uh, just finishing it here. I mean, this fight overall, you know, we got Rockhold as the big favorite. The odds of it uh, go... The odds of it not going to a decision, so the odds to finish here are minus seven twenty-five. So I guess at this point, is it just a matter of how Rockhold does it? Knockout, submission, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Bisping lasted, you know, until, say, like, the third round. Mm-hmm. He's durable. He always has been. So if he's able to take a beating for 12 or 13 minutes and hang on, it wouldn't surprise me. I would be surprised if it went the whole way. Um, I don't even at that salary. Um, I don't see any value at all at using Bisping. And like we said, this is actually a card where I think there are more than a fair share of betting line underdogs who are good plays and have realistic chances to win that I would probably avoid this fight altogether um, simply because Rockhold, because it's just such a gigantic salary. And if you don't get a win early from a, a guy with that, kind, that size salary, it 
isn't worth it. And Bisping, because obviously, you know, we just don't think he's going to win. Yeah, so that I agree. That is a, a decent reason to avoid this fight. In my early lineups, I do have some Rockhold action, I guess you want to call it, but uh, I am a little bit hesitant. You know, the knee injury is not going to make me take him out of those lineups there, but it is something that if you're putting together a fantasy lineup, it's most definitely worth taking into consideration here. Well, let's move on to the co-main event of the evening here. We've got a bantamweight battle between Uriah Faber and Dominic Cruz. Man, just watching these guys talk and go at it all week, you can tell that there is uh, not a lot of friendliness there between the two of them. You got Dominic Cruz, eleven thousand three hundred on DraftKings. Uriah Faber, just a hundred dollars over the minimum at eight thousand one hundred. Here, kind of going back to the odds, uh, I'm looking at. We've got Cruz is pretty much a four fifty minus four fifty to minus five hundred favorite in this bout, and uh, the odds of it actually going to a decision are pretty decent, minus two forty that it goes to a decision. So something to maybe take in mind there when putting together your lineups. Is this another fight to avoid from a DraftKings perspective just because of it going to a decision? Or do you think Cruz can land a high enough volume of strikes in a decision victory that makes you consider him at 11,300? This is, uh, you know, this is to me another fight where I think it breaks down very similar to the main event in a, in the sense that you have, I don't think anybody would disagree when you would say that at this point in their careers, Cruz is a far better fighter than Faber. And much like Bisbing, Faber's biggest advantage is going to be his cardio. He's another guy who's always in shape. Now, the issue for Faber is going to be that if Cruz was able to slide out of the way of punches and the strikes of TJ Dillashaw, who is one of the three or four fastest men in all of MMA footwork-wise and that kind of thing, I don't know how Faber is ever going to think he's going to hit Cruz. If Cruz can avoid Dillashaw's strikes, I don't know how Faber is going to hit him at all. Yep. Now, Cruz doesn't have the... I don't want to... Cruz is more of a technical um, wear-you-down type striker. And I would agree that I would not be surprised if this fight went to a decision at all. But it's, again, and this does not happen very often in UFC cards these days because they're trying to make, and it, it comes with an asterisk because, remember, the main event is the late replacement fight. But this is a rare card where the co-main event and main event, I don't want to say they're not going to be competitive, but I would be shocked if Bisping won and I would be extremely surprised if Faber won. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you there. I mean, the just, just the margin between these two fighters is, is is too much. And you look back, I mean, Uriah Faber, he's he's 37 now. And, I mean, the two of them have fought before, too. We can't forget about that. All yeah, fought twi- for twice already. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. I guess so they fought once in the UFC and once uh, in WEC, so once all the way back in 2007. So these guys are some veterans here. And, uh, I mean, Faber won the first one way back in, in 2007, but, you know, that's quite a while ago. And then you got the 2011 one where Dominic Cruz, Cruz, Cruz won. Cruz hasn't lost since. Yeah, Cruz has, has been on fire. Cruz that's the, actually, that, yep. the only time he's lost in his career. 
Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah, that's uh, pretty nuts here. And yeah, Cruz won that uh, the most recent one here by unanimous decision. I just don't think that it goes any differently this time around. I, I'm very confident in a decision, which even though it's five rounds and you have plenty of chance to go uh, for strikes, I have a tough time putting either of these guys into a DraftKings lineup. And overall. I've said this before on numerous occasions. If you take away the injuries, if you could guarantee me right now that Dominic Cruz was is going to be healthy moving forward, I have him as a top five pound for pound fighter. Yeah, I mean, I have a tough time arguing with that. As soon as, as, in, as in the, the guy's fight. healthy enough to suit up, he's he's on the guy's unbelievable. Yeah, right he on. really is. Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly deserving of that belt, and uh, you know, he'll he'll get some action, I think, in the pound for pound rankings if uh, if this year continues. I mean, right now he's number four in the UFC.com pound for pound rankings. It's just, it's take just those he, with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah. But he's you know he's always gonna he, the guy has fought twice since October 2011. He's he's a permanent injury risk, mm-hmm. and he's going to be moving forward. You you know in between fights, you know everybody is worried that he's going to be sparring and his knee's going to explode into ten pieces. So it's always going to be a risk. But as long as this guy is able to get to fight night healthy and lace up his gloves, he is he is I you know I can't put into words how good this guy is. Indeed here. I'm right there with you. Well, let's move on to the fight right uh, before that one. It's another very intriguing fight, I think. Uh, it's a featherweight matchup here between uh, between Max Holloway here and Ricardo Lamas. Holloway, kind of an up-and-comer in the division. He's a pretty big favorite. You can see so on DraftKings. He's 10,800 as opposed to Lamas. That is, excuse me, 8,600. Odds-wise, uh, we got a little bit uh, of a closer one than maybe some of the uh, the first two, at least. Uh, Holloway, about a minus 325, minus 335 favorite. Lamas, plus 275 here. And, of course, i got to go ahead and say uh, fight going to a decision is minus 210 somehow. So they do think that this fight will last uh, the, the entirety of the rounds. Um, I mean... Do you pay up for Holloway in this one, or is this one of those bouts where you can take a chance on Lamas and save your money at eight thousand six hundred? Uh, I this is a this is a good fight. This is a very good fight, and I am on record as saying I think Lamas is being severely overlooked in this fight. I am very very surprised that both the salaries and the odds are as lopsided in Holloway's favor as they are. Holloway is very, very good. He has won eight fights in a row. And all things considered, Holloway probably deserves a title shot like right now. You know, you win eight fights in a row against good competition, you deserve a title shot. It's just with the way the featherweight uh, uh, division is situated, you know, you have McGregor as the champion, you have Aldo and Edgar fighting for the interim championship, so... Even if Holloway wins this fight, he is gonna he is multiple wins away from a title shot, which is crazy when to think about, but he is he is still multiple wins away. Now, I am this is tough for me because Holloway is only twenty four years old and he gets better every time we see him, but I don't consider Holloway what is it, twenty DraftKings wise, I don't consider Holloway. $2,200 better than Lamas. I, I just, I don't see it. I would certainly pick Holloway to win, but Lamas is another guy who is perpetually underrated. Now, Lamas's problem is 
He's fought for the title before. Um, I was actually at that fight against Jose Aldo, and it wasn't close. And then he lost to Chad Mendes. So as great as La- as great as Lamas has been, if you can't beat the top guys in your division, you're going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it was an early-ish knockout to Mendes here. So, yeah, I mean, the winner of this fight should be right up in line. But you got to imagine McGregor, if and when he goes back to featherweight, is going to go ahead and take on the winner of, of Aldo and Frankie Edgar at UFC 200. So both these guys... Still have something to prove worth making a statement, but I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. I think that I'm actually using Holloway in a lot of my DraftKings lineups, and the reason for me is is simply volume at this point. Uh, He throws a tremendous amount of strikes, and he lands almost five and a half per minute, which is very solid, and I think that's a great way. If he doesn't, I mean, he strikes from good angles and has a chance to maybe get a knockout, but if he doesn't, he's still a safe pick because of the volume landed here, as opposed to, uh, you know, Lamas, I just don't think will throw the same amount of strikes and and I, I do think Holloway has a better chance of winning that's just kind of the way I, I see this playing out and from a DraftKings perspective going with Holloway so that that's yeah, kind I mean, of how I if, see it. if you're if you're rostering Lamas you know you're rostering him and looking at him mm-hmm. as a value play you know you're saying to yourself oh well that's a really cheap salary for a really good fighter yep so maybe you know maybe I can you know get get somewhere with that mm-hmm. but um this and it's not. I, I we no one's talked about this fight at all, which is surprising because this is a very very good fight. Yeah, I'm almost as excited for this one as I am for for some of the top uh, the main. I, the this, is a, this is a on of all the fights on the main card, I think this is the most competitive fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is a very fair statement. You, you know, the odds are, of course, the odds are a little too far apart as we discussed, but uh, competition wise, here we go. Because if you go to the next fight here. We've got Hector Lombard against Dan Henderson, and I know you're very opinionated when it comes to Dan Henderson, maybe thinking it's time he hangs it up here. Now, the salary difference, very, very different. 11000 for Lombard, 8400 for Henderson. I mean, is there any way you throw Henderson in at 8400 and hope for an H-bomb, or is it just way too late at this point in his career? I'm done. I'm out. I've said it before. I am, I'm out. He, I, he, Dan Henderson needs to retire. He just it's it's just it's not happening anymore anymore. He just doesn't have. I mean, we we certainly agree that the only way he's going to win is if he knocks someone out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now he doesn't ha- have the footwork and speed anymore to get his body into the position to land one of those huge shots. I mean, the guy is forty five years old. I mean, this is a young guy sport. It's I I wouldn't, and we have to mention that Hector Lombard is essentially a one round fighter. For the every for the first round, if you watch a Lombard fight, for the first round, he looks like he is going to be the next, you know, the next middleweight champion. That's how welterweight he's fought in different divisions he looks like he is going to be a champion that's how good this guy looks in the first round yeah, his yeah. last fight against neil magny in march magny it was a miracle magny survived the first round as soon as the bell rang for the second round lombard looked like a guy who should be released he just the he he gasses out 
like no one else on the UFC roster. And you cannot, I don't care what you say, you cannot beat better fighters in this sport if you can only fight five minutes. Yeah, I mean, now, that's the, the way you got you to think of it that way. I mean, right. But the difference here is Henderson at this point in his career isn't a better fighter. I, I like, I would use Lombard from a DraftKings perspective simply because I think that first five, and only really, five-minute flurry that he has is going to be enough to finish Henderson. Yeah, if right on. If he doesn't win in the first five minutes, you're all of a sudden, you, you know, you're not so confident. But he's just such a house of fire over the first five minutes. I don't know how Henderson's going to survive. Yeah, I mean, Henderson losing three of his last four bouts. I mentioned 45. I mean, yeah, you got to respect what he's done throughout the course of his career, but probably just hanging around a little bit too long. I mean, are we going to see the guy fight till he's 50? So even at 11,000, you don't wouldn't pay for Lombard at that in any other matchup, but I think this one seems to be a reasonable one where you can, you can bank on Lombard and hope for that early finish and getting that huge DraftKings bonus. I'm looking at uh, the odds on the fight going under one and a half rounds. The ones that offer it are offering it at minus 190. So Vegas likes that's this fight. Actually, to- that's actually not that bad a price, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that'd be a good price if you're going to uh, go about it that way instead of uh, doing the DraftKings lineup. If but I uh, am- I'm surprised, to be perfectly honest with you, that Dana White has let Henderson hang on this long. Dana is notorious for if a fighter is slipping and, you know, clearly his game is, you know, he's on the way down. White is notorious for for getting a fighter to step aside so he doesn't have to release him. Dana's done that for quite a while with many guys, and I'm actually a little surprised it hasn't come to that yet. That being said, Henderson is very, very stubborn about this, and I could easily see Henderson losing this fight, being released, and then going and signing in Bellator. I was going to say going I, to Bellator. They have no problem I, with that. <laughs> I, with the stuff belt, with the you know the the shenanigans Bellator puts on these days, I could easily see that. And he'd be a pretty decent draw for him. I mean, you get it to free Spike TV. It's a name people know, at least, so yep. people will tune in. Bellator has, a, Bellator has a lot of talented fighters on their roster, mm-hmm. but they make their money with the gimmick fights. You know, we're talking the Kimbo Dada disasters. Yeah, that kind of thing that gets probably quite a bit more publicity there than it deserves <laughs> yep. here. Yes, it does. All right, so let's move on to the final fight of the main pay-per-view card here. Pretty intriguing matchup again. We have got Dustin Poirier against Bobby Green. Now, in reading your analysis of this fight, it really comes down to whether or not you think Bobby Green is going to have a lot of ring rust in play. Now, he hasn't fought in quite some time now, and you think that's going to be a big big factor in this one? You know, I do. Bobby Green is really good. Um, people forget it. He hasn't fought since... My birthday, November 22nd of 2014, so quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, t- it's tough when you miss, miss that much time, but it's strange. Some guys struggle, and then you, have, then you have guys like Dominic Cruz, who obviously Green and Cruz aren't on the same level, but then you have a guy like Cruz who comes back after missing almost three years and looks like he's never left. So the, uh, the salaries, which are... Poirier at ten thousand six hundred, Green at eight thousand eight hundred. 
and I, I know you agree with this, there is not that – that's a pretty large separation. There is not that much of a difference in the talent level of Dustin Poirier and Bobby Green. But it's just – it's a combination – it's most, most of this is due to the fact that you don't really know what you're going to get from Green at this point. He, he, he's had numerous injuries. The latest and most serious one was he had a torn ACL. And it's yeah, – that's, that's a bad one. It's, a, it's his knee and it's anyone's guess how a guy is going to rebound from that. And to Poirier's credit, he, he's been terrific of late. Ever since he moved up from featherweight to lightweight, he's won three fights in a row, two, two first-round finishes – and a clear unanimous decision win over um, the pr- very hyped Joe Duffy. And Poirier was gaunt as a featherweight. He had trouble making the weight. He looked unhealthy during his fights. And being able to add that extra 10 pounds onto his frame has made a huge difference. And like you said, I think that this is a fight that I would stay away from Green only because we don't know what we're going to see from him. But that being said, if you have confidence and you think he can bounce back okay from all the time off, Bobby Green is a darn good fighter to get for 8800 That's a awful low salary for a guy of his capability. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. I mean, you're going to have to pick some upsets just so you can have a legal DraftKings lineup here. And at 8800 I can see people wanting to do that with Green. I mean, at 29 years old, he... I mean, there's plenty of time to get over any injury that uh, has been plaguing him over the years. And, you know, I'm not necessarily saying, like you kind of alluded to, a Dominic Cruz return there. But, you know, you never know. I think these fighters are, once again, kind of the theme with uh, this one and, and just like the Holloway fight, uh, very, a lot closer than what their salaries were. Yeah, I mean, I would probably know if, you, if, if when this is all over, Green found, if this is all over, Green came out victorious, I would be far from surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the salary discrepancy, but I'm looking at the odds here. Green's only a plus 175, 180 dog. I mean, I'm seeing him as plus 160 in some of these uh, odds here. I'm looking at bestfightodds.com, by the way, where they just throw out a whole bunch of different uh, sites that offer them. And, yeah, this is one of those cases where if you were going to calculate the salary discrepancy and compare it in a ratio to the odds, the average odds, this is going to be one of the slimmer margins that you're going to find here. So I think there will actually be a decent amount of ownership of Bobby Green and uh, it might not hurt to get a little bit of a lineup in there uh, yeah, featuring The simplest him. way to put it is if Green didn't have all this time off, there wouldn't be this discrepancy. That's just the way to sum this up. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, that's the main card for you here. Now, we're not going to do all the undercards one by one here, but uh, there are some decent-looking fights here on the undercards, whether it's the Fox Sports 1 or the Fight Pass prelims. Is there any fight that stands out to you from the undercards that you're looking forward to the most, either from a real-life or even from a fantasy perspective? I would say there were two. The first one is the fight between Benil Dariush and James Vick. This is a really, really, really good fight between two really, really good fighters. Dariush is, for lack of a better term, boring. <laughs> um, he, he had a five-fight winning streak stopped in his last fight when he was defeated by Michael Chiesa. And Dariush is a, a he's a good technical fighter. He isn't a joy to watch, but he's effective. 
Now, Vic is – I'm a big, big fan of Vic. Age 29 – remember, he's fighting as a lightweight, so 155 pounds. And the guy's six foot three inches tall. He ha- he has the frame to land kicks and strikes on his opponent at distance where opponents can hit him. Um, it's a little of the, kind of the thing John Jones has going. How Jones can stand far away from his opponent and pepper his opponents because of his size, and his opponents can't reach him. And I, Vic is undefeated in his professional career. Um, his biggest win, I would say, he went over to Australia and choked out Jake Matthews, which was a terrific performance. And I'm a little, I'm a, again, I'm a little surprised Vic is both as big of an underdog as he is Vegas-wise at plus 160. And the DraftKings salaries are, are very close. Darius is 10000 Vic is 9400 But I like Vic to win this fight as the underdog. Nice. There you go. Well, there's a, one way that you can fill out yeah. that lineup using a fighter like Vic there. Uh, for me personally, I'm very interested in that fight. I'm also just going to be tuning into the Fight Pass prelims just so I can see uh, the, the Strickland and Breeze fight, I believe. That's the yes, finale. That, the that, was, that was the other one I was going to mention. Yeah. yeah. I'll just throw in my reasoning. you got a 24-year-old against a 25-year-old between the two of them. One combined loss only. That was uh, a Strickland one to, to um, let's see, that was back in uh, February of this year. Or of 2015, I'm sorry. So uh, both fighters staying active, and hey, it's a welterweight division. It's pretty top-heavy, but I'm excited to see where these guys go. And from a DraftKings perspective, I do kind of like Breeze at 10,300 because you're not paying a ton up for the for the favorite, and he averages a cool 92.2 fantasy points per fight. So I think uh, you get some good value there. Do you kind of see that the same way? Yeah, I do, and both these guys are really good. And really underrated. Two guys who rarely get talked about, but can you know make do things in the cage that few of their peers can do. And as I said before, as far as this being, uh, there are a lot of underdogs on this card who I like. As far as all the, if you take all the undercard fights combined, the only two fighters in all the under the six or seven undercard fights the only two fighters i would stay away from completely are clay guida in his fight against brian ortega and luis henrique da silva in his fight against jonathan wilson so of the the 14 fighters in on the undercard those are the only two i would stay away from i think you can make a case for any of the other you know any of the other fighters winning their fight it the undercard is full of competitive fights which is very good from a DraftKings perspective because it allows you to get a lot of underdogs in your lineup which lets you in turn get some favorites in your lineup yeah exactly and uh speaking of DraftKings here again Kind of the theme here is to make these lineups work, we're going to have to pick some upsets. So I guess you could phrase this question in one of two ways here. I could either ask you who's on upset alert the most or, a.k.a., who's a DraftKings value play, in quotes there. Because you got to pick at least two, maybe three dogs, especially if you're getting rockhold into those lineups here. And you mentioned you're staying away from Clay Guida completely. Now, one thing I've learned since I've started picking fights is to never really count out a Jackson Wink 
MMA, anyone from that camp here. Uh, so you don't like Clay Guida as an upset, who, who uh, someone I was maybe considering. I, I don't know. It's real tough. But uh, can, can I hear your reasoning behind, behind that as well as uh, any anyone else that you think should be on high upset alert? Well, my, my main reason for that is Clay Guida is a wrestler, mm-hmm. and Ryan Ortega's ground game is amongst the best in the whole UFC in any division. Perfect. In, in order for Guida to be successful, he's going to have to spend a lot of a lot of this fight on the mat, and Brian Ortega is literally among the last men in the world you want to get into a ground exchange with. Ten professional fights, five submission victories yeah. for Brian Ortega. Among the last, uh, literally, I, I know we say you know, in the whole all you know MMA world a lot. Brian Ortega is um, literally amongst the last men in the world you want to get in a ground exchange with. All right, fair enough, John. So, uh, who else are we looking at for uh, the upset picks then? You know, I like Alex Caceres in his fight against Cole Miller. Mm-hmm. That is more because I think I don't think Miller is anything great, not because I think Caceres is anything special. Caceres has disappointed us more times than we can count. And just a reminder to fans, Caceres stepping in for BJ Penn, who was yeah. supposed to be fighting on this card. Then we have the whole USADA and the IV and the misunderstandings and whatnot. But either way, that resulted in him getting scrapped. So right. Caceres I, is the replacement. Again, that was another novelty fight. You know, BJ Penn shouldn't be just like Dan Henderson. No one really, there was no need for BJ Penn to come back. But um, I like Caceres. Um, and I like I like Kevin Casey in his fight against Elvis Mutapic, Mutapic. Um There, this 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 whole there are outside of the two main of the two the main event and the co-main event, and the other two fights I said the Ortega Guida fight and the Jonathan Wilson's Jonathan Wilson Luis Enrique da Silva fight. If you wanted to make a case for any you know either of the fighters winning any of the other what is it, eight fights? I would listen. that, And that's, there aren't a lot of cards these days where you can say that. And that makes, that gives you options for DraftKings. And that's that's what you're ultimately looking for. Yeah, I was just kind of tinkering together with some lineups there. If you use Casey Caceres and James Vick, who you kind of suggested earlier, then you can get both Max Holloway and Hector Lombard both in, hoping for some points there. That's one way to go about it if you want to avoid the main events altogether. A lot of ways to do this on DraftKings. I always do multiple lineups just because I don't like putting everything in one basket uh, particular. But that's a lot of the fun of it. Uh, you got your five guys to root for, or ladies. I guess there is uh, the one female fight on the card. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, and uh, again... I would Jessica Andrade at ninety two hundred. Jessica Penne is a better fighter than Jessica Andrade, but Jessica Andrade may have more power than any woman. You know, just pure strength than any woman in that division. She could easily get a quick knockout win. So, again, another low price for another decent fighter. Yeah, right on, John. Well, uh, there you have it. A lot of options, some upset picks. How we see the main fight breaking down. All of that. Great stuff for what should be an exciting card Saturday from Inglewood, California. Once again, well, thank you for listening to the Rotowire MMA podcast sponsored by DraftKings, your leader in one-day fantasy sports. If you are out there on Twitter, go ahead and give John a follow at John Littering. Give me a follow at Jakeski52. And, of course, we'll be back with you to preview UFC 200 the week of July 9th. Thank you for listening. That's the big one. Ready ready to go. Yep, I'm going to be there. I'm pretty stoked. I take it you're the same as well, John. Three title fights. We'll pump it up. Yeah, I mean, the the whole – I think Dana White said today or yesterday 
that it's the biggest card ever. I don't know if I would go that far, but it's damn good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what I figured. I figured if I'm going to go go to one, I might as well do it. Bit. Yeah, if you're going to do it, do it right. All right. Well, hey, thanks again for listening, guys, and uh, we'll be back with you next time. Good luck with those lineups on DraftKings. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.